Welcome to season two of the Mike Bomb Podcast. This is your host, May Shayla, kicking it at you for the first ever episode. So now there's been a lot of news going on around the sports world, but this episode we're going to just be covering strictly NFL because I think that that's the perfect topic to cover. A lot of people been wanting my, pretty much my opinion, my sport takes on the news around free agency, such as, you know, the quarterback position for a lot of teams. Prime example, Pittsburgh Steelers signed Mitchell Trubisky to a two-year deal worth $27 million. And then you got the Deshaun Watson situation where he was pretty much cleared from not being charged with sexual assault, you know, sexual assault challenges or Let's just say he's not being charged with sexual assault. Let's just keep it as that. Um, to Baker Mayfield, you know, possibly being out as the quarterback in Cleveland. Or not, because the news today broke by Adam Schefter of NFL Network. You know, you know him. You know he's the senior reporter for the NFL Network, the NFL. He He's awesome. Point being... He's the one who broke the news today that the Cleveland Browns are officially out on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Now, a lot of people are starting to gain, you know, speculation, whether that's because of Baker Mayfield or they're just no longer interested in general, which will be absurd based on what we've seen from Baker Mayfield or the Cleveland Browns offense outside of their running game. All of this being said, Let's just kick it off with that. Um, The Browns, you know, announced today that by, you know, their team president, general manager, that they are out on Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Rumor has it around the league that the Houston Texans are willing to trade Deshaun Watson, but not to anyone within the AFC South division, which is why the Colts couldn't get him after trading their quarterback, Carson Wentz, to the Washington Commanders, and I don't really remember what they got out of that. Maybe a late-round draft pick, something like that. It was reported two weeks ago, so you know they can be shopping for a quarterback. Obviously, they offered the Texans what they wanted, probably a little more, but because, as already stated, that the Houston Texans doesn't want anyone within their division to have Deshaun Watson... The Colts, unfortunately, are forced to miss out. Back to the basis, the Cleveland Browns, though, randomly, just out of the blue, they was one of the teams that was mentioned along with the Carolina Panthers, along with the New Orleans Saints, and possibly the Atlanta Falcons after news broke out that the team sat their current starting quarterback, Matt Ryan, down and told him that they are officially entering the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, which you can't really blame them for but that's something we can get into later on in the episode as obviously there's going to be more and more to be spoken about but back to Cleveland I think everyone is asking this question too based on what you saw from Baker already why would they be out on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes it's because they want to cater to Baker Mayfield it's because they or they just overall believe in him as their quarterback Or is it because still the sexual assault allegations, even though he's not being charged, which is why he's 
eligible right now to be traded? Um, or is it because they're just not interested? They don't think he will fit well in their system, which is, which will be observed if that is the reason, because I think Deshaun Watson is such a versatile player in general, let alone a quarterback that he will fit well in any office system you put him in, you know? So that, so I think the last option of not fitting well in their system would be, you know, absurd for them to even think, let alone saying. Baker Mayfield pretty much after the Browns were rumored to be in on the sweepstakes and, you know, rumors that were actually confirmed through Baker's Instagram posts, technically without Baker even saying anything, that... They were looking to, you know, shop him or bench him and bring in Deshaun Watson. Baker was getting ready, you know, for the next chapter of his life and rightfully so. Because with that being said, that's telling him that they did not plan on having him as the starting quarterback of their football team anymore. So he was looking to, you know, shop elsewhere. And he went via social media, Instagram to be more exact, expressing how he feel about the city of Cleveland, how he feel about the Browns organization, pretty much telling them thank you for everything as I'm looking for this next chapter in my life, which means usually when players say things like that, that means they're looking to go elsewhere. They're mentally and emotionally, they've moved on, but obviously physically it's when everything is officially set in stone and it hasn't been yet in Cleveland. So, Baker Mayfield era is still up in the air. Are the Browns going to shop Baker and possibly draft a quarterback in this draft or keep Baker around and draft a quarterback in this draft? Or is these rumors false But about them being out on Deshaun Watson is false? We never know. But, obviously, if Adam Schefter is saying it, then 9.9 out of 10, <laughs> you know, because every reporter, you know, has his flaws here and there. Adam Schefter is a guy who swings and... You got to think about the moments that he missed because that's how many times he made it. All of this being said, you got to think about the situation if you're Cleveland. You got some fans already wanting out on Baker because they don't believe in him. They haven't even seen much of him, even when Cleveland was considered a good football team. Obviously, Baker was someone who was catered to since day one. You know, he never had to ask for them to go get him things because he was already giving it to him. Baker Mayfield was what pretty much all Super Bowl champion quarterbacks were, you know, when they entered their league, which like, for example, Tom Brady, Big Ben, Aaron Rodgers, they were all plugins who obviously was blossomed into being the offensive dominator. Baker Mayfield, even though he is not a Super Bowl champion, he's only won one playoff game. They've only been... They only participated in two playoff games within his four to five year career in Cleveland, even though on paper with the most talent, arguably in the league, definitely in AFC North Division, you get the question. Sometimes you just got a question. You got to question your ability. You know, you got to question your quarterback's abilities. You got to question, like, why are we here? Once again, with the best roster there is to offer within this division let alone arguably the conference and the same people and everybody finding ways to win it but us. Think about it. 2019, the Baltimore Ravens won a division. They won it in 20, you know, they won it in 2018 as well. 
Pittsburgh turned right back around. Big Ben's returned. 2020, the Steelers won the division. Then this past season, the Bengals won the division. It's like, no matter what Cleveland does, if it ain't going to be the two who always wins the division, and nine times out of ten days, the AFC North division comes down to, it's going to be Baker. It's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals, which what it's been since practically since Baker's been in the league. And a lot of these games, especially Pittsburgh and Baltimore, you can argue Baker Mayfield and his inconsistency has cost him. You're the Cleveland Browns. You're tired of playing the Little Brothers, especially when you have the roster that practically shows everyone why you shouldn't be in this position still four, five years later, especially with the situation that's going on in Pittsburgh, the flaws they had this past year, Baltimore with the constant team injuries. Like, if the Ravens would have not got hurt last year, if 90 to 90 to 99.9% of their roster would have still been here, would have not gotten hurt, here's a fun fact. The Cleveland Browns, who was who everyone had to win the AFC, definitely the AFC North, who everyone had to play the Rams or whoever in the Super Bowl, would have been last place. And that would have been how many times out this division? Let's see here. Roethlisberger's been here 18 years. I believe the Bengals has only been last place like twice in this division, as far as my knowledge goes, maybe three times. Every other year, it was always the Browns' last place. Nobody else in that division has been last place more than the Cleveland Browns. And now that you got this guy, just like the 26 to 25 names that you had before you, before him, and you do for him what you unfortunately did not do for the previous quarterbacks, and yet you're getting the same results over and over again, is it the fact that, you know, we're just not meant to be it? Which is looking more is looking more likely, no offense to any Cleveland fan here. Or or maybe, just maybe, we we thought we had that guy and we didn't. You know, seeing the blossomness of J- Lamar Jackson, even though he has not even half of the talent in Baltimore offensively around him that Baker has in Cleveland offensively. We're not even gonna argue that. Then you gotta look at Josh Allen. You got to look at Josh Allen and you got to think about that. You got to think about that if you're Cleveland. It's like everyone can find a way to either manage the game or take over the game. But the guy who we took, the guy who was the number one overall pick because of us. And you got to think about that. You got to be like, okay. Why is it that this guy and this guy who came out the same year as our guy, who we who we passed on for our guy, can find ways to manage games, take over the games, win their team games, but our guy can't. And we know for a fact we have a way better roster offensively and defensively, especially with the health of one, you know, compared to the others in the league. Why is it that, you know, we just can't find ways to win? Why is it everybody, everybody else's guys can find ways? And it's not just in his draft class. It's every, it's compared to nearly every big name quarterback in the AFC conference. The every quarterback in the AFC North division, because you had Roethlisberger, even with the minimum he was given 
even with lack of mobility, pretty much on his last leg or last legs, you know, um, leading the league in comeback wins, game-winning drives, retiring number two behind Tom Brady. Then you have Lamar Jackson, who either two teams find ways to dominate games, win games. Then it's vice versa with Joe Burrow. It's every quarterback at AFC North, but the guy who was pretty much whose roster that we built around shows that he was put in perfect position. Perfect just might be an understatement, but we're just going to use perfect for this case. Who was put in a perfect position to do so and just doesn't. Just doesn't. And it's been that way since he's since we gave him, since he's gotten the starting job as the as the quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. You know? Fans are getting tired of it in Cleveland. They see that. They see that the Bengals just might only get better even though they're having their little issues, you know, defensively. And that's what we're going to get into on this episode. The Ravens are only going to be better because they're going to be more healthier. People understand that if you give Lamar Jackson, especially in an era now where mobility and mobile quarterbacks are so popular, you're not getting a non-mobile quarterback in this era. Mobile quarterbacks are now the wave. It doesn't get more mobile in the NFL than Lamar Jackson. That's the most, to me, that's the most mobile quarterback in the league. And yes, he's one of the best. He's been killing it. He's been doing all that he can without an offensive line. You gave him one tight end, maybe one wide receiver, two this year with Sammy Watkins, but not sure whether he was on or off the field with injuries. He was probably on the injuries list. You know, Marquise Brown, you gave him Mark Andrews, which is great. I think you should give him a running back and build that offensive line if I'm John Harbaugh because you need to get this guy some help. And you got to get Lamar some help. But the point is, Lamar Jackson, who's who was taking the very last pick in the first round, I believe it was the 32nd pick in the draft in 2018, he's not playing like it. Even when he's at his worst, even when he's, you know, even when he's, even when he's, whether he's at his best or even when he's at his worst or whether he's in between, Lamar Jackson's finding ways to win. He's finding ways to not only manage the game, but win the game in the process. We have not seen that from Baker Mayfield yet. We have not seen that. We have not seen that in the moments it was do or die for his team. We have not seen that in moments where it was, you know, win or go home. We have not seen that. We've seen Kareem Hunt do it. We've seen Nick Chubb do it. We've seen Darnish Johnson this past season do it. But these are running backs I'm naming. We've seen Case Keenum arguably do it more, even with the minimal time that Baker Mayfield has done it. And everyone just loves to use the injury as an excuse. Let me tell y'all something. I've been watching this Baker Mayfield show for four to five years. Before he got hurt, before the running game kept going, you know, started getting going like that in Cleveland, I've been seeing this from a distance. I peaked this his second year. I'm peeping it now. This has been going down with Baker Mayfield since then. And when you're the Cleveland Browns, you are at that mindset. 
because this be happening with you even when you're not hurt. No, you you may not, you know, turn the ball over as much. Arguably you do, arguably you don't. But you do cost your team games just as much. You don't show up in moments just as much. And that's what we are paying, you know, that's what you, when you're an organization, that's what you bring quarterbacks that high for. That's what you take quarterbacks in the first round for. You know, you don't take them in the, you don't take them that high just to be another one or another face they can throw on their commercials or whatever. Like Baker has done more than any quarterback in this league. Hell, definitely every quarterback in the AFC North Division because I ain't seen nobody else in commercials in these many commercials since 2003 when the division got started. Damn sure they didn't see it in 04, <laughs> you know, even before the rape allegations of Roethlisberger. We only seen Flacco in once damn commercial. I don't recall seeing Ben in any. I don't recall seeing Lamar Jackson in one yet. I damn sure don't call, recall Joe Barrow being in one yet, not even in his days at LSU. It's like he Baker Mayfield arguably had more commercials this year within these past two years than any AFC North quarterback in history combined. That's including the 26 names in Cleveland that came before him. You gotta think about that if if you're the if you're the Browns. It's like outside of advertisements and losing the football games. Baker Mayfield doesn't do anything else better than, than any one of these other quarterbacks in this division, no matter who's under center in Pittsburgh nor Baltimore. And at this rate, it's vice versa with Cincinnati, even though they did sweep the Bengals last year. They did clap the Bengals last year in the Cincinnati jungle. But you look at that game. They, listen, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Baker Mayfield has been the only quarterback within this division let alone the whole AFC conference where the team has to take the ball out of Baker's hands in order to in order to even compete in the game and let alone winning it let alone winning it you're the Cleveland Browns you're getting tired of that you're getting tired of overusing your running backs because your quarterback can't game manage let alone win a damn game to save his life you're over that you know, it, it, it's, it's miles past that. If you're going to be that guy for us, be that guy. I think that the Sean Watson's, you know, talk within Cleveland is starting to wake Baker up. So we could probably be getting a Baker Mayfield that we were promised when he was drafted out of Oklahoma four or five years ago. Now, do I think we're getting that? Hell no, because at this rate, especially with all that talent around you, we already know who you are. And you could say that left shoulder injury or right shoulder all you want. But let me let me tell you, I've been seeing this garbage since since his rookie year. That's why they run the ball so much in Cleveland. Because they know they, they don't have the quarterback like everyone else within the division. Like everyone else within the conference. Like a Justin Herbert. Like a Patrick Mahomes. Like a Josh Allen. A Lamar Jackson. Hell, a damn Ben or Aaron Rodgers who's in the still in the NFC or Russell Wilson who just now joined the AFC, which we're going to get into more this episode. They know they don't got that guy that can manage. They barely have a guy that can barely manage the game, let alone winning that. And right there doesn't define, uh, right there, that does not define a franchise quarterback. 
that defines exactly what his show more. Truth be told, and sorry to say it, Baker lovers, your guy has shown more than he has shown anything else. And that is a franchise advertisement. Period. That's all I got to say right now on the Baker situation. Welcome back to the Mike Bomb Podcast. This is, once again, this is your host, Mayshayla, kicking it back at you. Okay, so now we're moving on to trademarks that's been made as well within this free agency process. I think the biggest one I speak for everybody was when former Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl champion quarterback Russell Wilson was traded to the Denver Broncos in the lights of for the lights of Drew Locke along with two other Bronco players and I believe the Broncos got three first round draft picks or maybe one first and two seconds. Either way, this is a massive trade for Denver. Um, I think I speak for all Bronco fans. Nobody saw this coming in Malhai. Everyone was upset, absurd when they heard the news of the Broncos trading away Von Miller, who just signed the massive deal with the Buffalo Bills to the LA Rams last year to go on to win his second Super Bowl title. Now they got something to cheer for in Denver because... If there's one team that can be a dark horse pick to make a good run right now because of the moves they have made, it will be the Denver Broncos. You got to look at their offense. You know, you got to look at their offense right now because Russell Wilson is one of these quarterbacks, right? That can make nothing, like, you know, that can make something out of nothing. And when you think about that, Along with having Jerry Judy, along with having Javante Williams, who to me is going to be their projected starter, along with Melvin Gordon, as long as, you know, if he's there or not, you got to think about all of this. You got to think about it in a division that is loaded right now with offensive talent from Kansas City with Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes to Las Vegas, who has Derek Carr who we're going to get into more later on in this episode. And then you have the LA Chargers who just got Khalil Mack from the Chicago Bears, signed J.C. Jackson, you know, even though their defensive players obviously have big hitters like Dora James, one of the best safeties in football. And then they still got Keaton Allen. They still got Mike Williams, who they just signed along a four-year extension to. Then they got Justin Herbert, who's a stud. These are massive. This is going to be the AFC West division because of this move the Broncos made for Russell Wilson. It's just going to be it's going to be the division to watch because this is the division where there is no weak links within the quarterback position and that's the only division within any conference that you can say that with in this league. Like you can point out the AFC North right now. I'm going to be real here. The weak links are the quarterbacks. Cleveland, Pittsburgh, up in the air about Baltimore because we unfortunately were not able to see Lamar Jackson with a, with a full roster team. Then Cincinnati has Joe Barrow, who's pretty good. Then you look at 
the AFC South. They got Ryan Tannehill. There's no quarterback right now in Indianapolis. You got Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. We don't really know much about him just yet. We can't just judge somebody off of one year who was given the minimum. Coaches switching out, getting fired during during the season, all of this chaos in Jacksonville. So we can find out some this year, depending on what are the Jaguars up to with the free agency to build this team around Carson, I mean, Trevor Lawrence. Then you got the Houston Texans. Obviously, they ain't going to have Deshaun Watson this year because he's most likely to be traded somewhere in the NFC South Division and or maybe in the AFC, but not the AFC South Division. That's out. The NFC South. Clarification, the NFC South. He's going to most likely be traded there if he's traded any Southern Division. All of this being said, the Texans is not going to have a quarterback because Tyrod Taylor, if I'm not mistaken, just signed the deal, I believe it was, with the Patriots. I'm not sure, but he's off the market now. He's elsewhere. So the Texans got a quarterback situation that they got to figure out now. Look at what divisions now we got left. We knocked the AFC North. We knocked the, you know, the AFC South. Let's look at the AFC East. Josh Allen, who everyone knows what it is already. Zach Wilson, the Jets, we have not heard them making much moves except for signing former Bengals wide receiver to their roster. That's practically the only move we heard them made just yet offensively. So we're going to see what they're going to do in the draft because they do got a couple of good draft picks this year. They still got cap money. Free agency has only been existing technically on, you know, on roster, on schedule for a day. Hasn't even been a full 24 hours yet, so... We'll see. But the quarterback position's up in the air. They have swapped like three, four quarterbacks within, you know, <laughs> with within a year. So we don't we're not even sure who their starting quarterback's gonna be. Then you got the Miami Dolphins with Tulip. Let me tell you something here. As much as I like him, you get you got questions marks around him, and then the Dolphins is firing Brian Flores, you know. They got a lot they got a lot to fix over there in Miami. Then think about it. That's their goals the AFC. Let's look at the NFC. 49ers got Trevor Lawrence most likely because they're trading away Jimmy Garoppolo. They're they don't mind shopping him. Seahawks got Drew Locke, who practically sucks. That's why you know he was sent in that package with Denver. Um Then you got you know, you got the LA Rams and you got the Arizona Cardinals. So the Rams got Matthew Stafford. The Cardinals got Kyle Murray. That's pretty much it, though. Then you got the NFC South. It's Tom Brady. We're not sure who the Saints quarterback's going to be, whether they're going to bring back Jameis Winston or they're going to sign someone else or draft someone else. Then you got the Atlanta Falcons with Matt Ryan, but they're in, they're in right now on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, apparently. So we're not sure whether they're going to be able to make the move or whoever, but then it's vice versa with the Saints too. But either way, or the Panthers, he's landed one of those three teams. But either way, that's only going to be half of the division with quarterback talent. The other two is unfortunately going to have to fall into the mix. going to fall under the dungeon unless they laid their hands on Kenny Pickett, you know, or... Malik Jackson, I meant, or Malik Willis, 
or maybe Matt Corral, who I think is a sleeper draft pick because everyone's just been overlooking him since he got hurt in the senior bowl, I believe it was. But yes, what divisions were missing now? The NFC East, Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts is too questionable. Daniel Jones, I'm pretty sure we already have our answer on that guy. And yeah, that's pretty much it with that situation. Then you got to think about the commanders. Yes, they got Carson Wentz, but he got question marks. And who would you put Carson Wentz in the same boat in when it comes to any of these other quarterbacks in the AFC West division, even though he's in the NFC East? Nobody. Then let's go with the NFC North. Yes, the Packers got Aaron Rodgers. Yes, the Chicago Bears got Justin Fields. But what are they going to do for Justin Fields? Because they not because given the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, who has Najee Harris, your best offensive line was not a good move by Chicago. It was not. Or one of your best offensive linemen it's, was not a great move by Chicago. That was actually pretty dumb. Um... It's up in the air about him because he's only been here for a year. Then who else we're missing? The Vikings with Kirk Cousins. We pretty much solid with him. But even though he's a good quarterback, he's not any one of these other quarterbacks in this division. In the AFC West division. Then let's, then let's line it up. We got the Packers. We mentioned the Bears. We mentioned, you know, the Vikings. Who I'm missing? The Detroit Lions. Jared Goff. You're going to put him in that boat? Even though he was in a Super Bowl, but he didn't win it. Ever since then and before then, what what did we see? Absolutely nothing. So there you have it. There you have it. Right there. I just broke to you down every single reason why the AFC West is the division. And why the Denver Broncos, when it comes to making trade moves... They won this trade within Russell Wilson because this dude came off a massive season. You know, obviously barely having losing record seasons in Seattle. People don't understand how special Russell Wilson was and why, you know, in Seattle how special he is right now. And unfortunately for the Seahawks, you're not even guaranteed to get nobody even better. Last season, with one of the worst offenses, ladies and gentlemen, Russell Wilson averaged 3,113 passing yards, went 25 touchdowns, only 6 interceptions, with 103.1 passer rating. Year prior to that, 2020, 4,212 yards. 40 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 105.1 passer rating. 2019, 4,110 yards, 31 touchdowns, only 5 interceptions, 106.3 passer rating. 2018, 3,448 passing yards. 35 touchdowns, only 7 interceptions, with a 110.9 passer rating. 2017, 3,983 passing yards. 34 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, a 95.4 passer rating. 
do you not see the consistent the consistency within his passer rating within his touchdowns this dude don't have no less than 20 touchdowns not one year he's been in the national football league his lowest passer rating since he's been in the league is a 92.6 that's it this brother has not seen below the 90s his whole career no matter what seattle put around him and then you look at the roster on the Denver Broncos, right? Look on the roster. Look look what they have on their roster prior to Russell Wilson that they put around Russell Wilson. You know, Javante Williams, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. Then look on the defensive side. You got Patrick Certain II. You got Bradley Chubb. You got Justin Simmons, who was a, who's a great safety, very underrated. That's on the defensive side. But look at this wide receiver. Look at this offense already. Russell Wilson, Javante Williams, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. There is no way you can look at this team right now with the minimum that Russell Wilson has had since his Super Bowl run in Seattle. In Seattle. With, this, with at least... Five years of consistency or hell, damn near a decade of consistency if you think about it. Because the dude never had no less than 20 touchdowns. That's literally his worst statistics was 3,475 passing yards. 20 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, a 95 QBR rating. I meant not QBR rating, correct me, pass rating. That's it, bruh. That's literally it. That's the lowest of this dude's career. So, everyone can say that Seattle won that trade? I don't think so. Yeah, you got them, yeah, you got them picks back. Then let's look at his QBR rating. Even though there was one, maybe two, out of his career, that's not that great. Which was 2012, which was his rookie season, with a 54.7 QBR rating. And this is according to, you know, pro football reference, okay? Then you had 20, what's the year was this? 2016, right? Where it has a 57.1 QBR rating. But everywhere else was a 61 and beyond. The lowest behind those two I just mentioned was a 61.9. I understand where people would be like, actually, no, I won't understand it because I just pulled up his, I just pulled up his statistics for y'all. I just gave you five years and these are not, I'm not skipping over seasons with when I mentioned those touchdowns and interception ratios. I am mentioning season, I, I just gave y'all backwards five years straight of consistency when you know the situation sucked in Seattle, you gave him DK Metcalf, you gave him Tyler Lockett. What about his tight ends? What about his running backs? What about that offensive line that was so damn horrible last year? You know, you got to think about all of that. But now he kind of has that in Cleveland. I mean, in Denver. Now he kind of has that right now with Javante Williams, this dude got some backup. This dude got some wide receivers, and then we're not even sure about the Titans, but we're going to find out. 
then you got to look at the defense. And then even though the Broncos may not have enough draft picks this year, but they might not need it. Free agency isn't over. It is not over, and they don't need to build that team to win right now, even though it would be great because Russell Wilson is still young. Russell Wilson still got at least a good five to six years left in him, especially in that division that doesn't, you know, have that much physicality as others would. You got to think about all of this. So, Denver Broncos, kudos to you. You you swung, and I'm, and I'm telling you right now in advance, you did not miss. You didn't miss, and the Seattle Seahawks will regret the day they traded Russell Wilson, even though the agreement was mutual within both parties, Russell Wilson and his agent, and the Seahawks front office. Understandable. But you could have made it work, Seattle. You should have gave the man what he want. Because now I'm afraid with the cap space, the drafts, all of this, the Broncos ain't going to need to draft high. Because what is so high that the Denver Broncos can't get in free agency this year or next year and go on a run? Nothing. You gave them what they needed to start off, which is a quarterback that is known for making nothing into something. You already got him, Jerry Judy. You already got him, you know, Sutton. You got him, Javante Williams, who's, to me, the second to third best back in the 2020 draft behind Najee Harris. You got to think about all of that. With all of this being said, the Seahawks, you will regret trading. You will regret trading Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. I think you've made a massively mistake. You just, within one dumb move, even though it was mutual, even though it had to be done, you just unfortunately put the Denver Broncos back in the conversation for a playoff spot, let alone possibly down the road another world championship. Welcome to the Mike Bomb Podcast once again. Me, Shayla, kicking it at you for the final segment of episode number one of season two. So this, we got to get into it because I think a lot of people are overlooking this part, which is the NFL franchise tag. Because players who people are fighting for saying that shouldn't be franchise tagged, unfortunately was. Starting with Green Bay's Packers. Star wide receiver Devontae, I meant Devontae Adams. Obviously, he's not a happy camper because he was franchised by the you know by the organization, and he pretty much told them recently, I believe it was Monday, the news came out where he's not going to play under the franchise tag this year after especially after seeing the massive deal, you know, his quarterback Aaron Rodgers just got to stay in Green Bay, which was worth which I believe was worth $150.3 million for four years, which makes him now the highest paid quarterback in NFL history now, surpassing Patrick Mahomes' contract with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, for the past, I think it was like five, ten-year deal on Mahomes in Kansas City, but back to the bases, Devontae Adams. He has more than every right to be pissed off about this deal because here's the thing. He has been waiting 
for two to three years for a contract talk deal. Unfortunately, him and the Packers are still long away from a deal to be made within, or mutual agreement, in other words, to be made within him and the organization. They franchise tag him, which tells us they don't want him to go anywhere. You know, they're willing to work with him, but obviously the Obviously, Devontae knows more than we would because he's the one who's in the situation. Now, should he get a deal? That that That's a stupid question because, come on now. Within these past two to three years alone, he has been the best wide receiver in football statistically. And he has not left the top five since, you know, the rise of him has happened in Green Bay. And he's clearly... Aaron Rodgers, number one go-to guy. You know, it's been that way since he's been in the league. Um, since they both have been in the league and both been members of the Green, ba- both been players and members of the Green Bay Packers organization. All of this being said, I think it's coming down to the conclusion where Devontae Williams, I mean Devontae, yeah, Devontae Adams, correct me, feels like he's not receiving his worth. And I think that's what a lot of players who were franchise tagged. But before I even get started, I would just like to say congratulations to Chris Godwin, who was just who was franchise tagged as well, but just got his sixty million dollar deal for three years with forty million guaranteed from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he's back in Tampa Bay. That's good, you know. But now we're back to Devontae Adams' situation. Obviously, a deal like that wouldn't be good enough for Devontae Adams, which means he's looking to get paid more, and rightfully so. Because he has been a consistent better receiver than Godwin and practically any other wide receiver in football. Beating the best in the best, pound for pound, one-on-one. All of this being said, the Packers must come to an agreement with Devontae Adams, if they want to send Aaron Rodgers off the right way, whether it's this year, next year, the following year after that, or the, you know, the final year of his contract. In order for the Packers to stay in Super Bowl contention, even though they do have Aaron Rodgers, you know, they do have Aaron Jones and Dylan. I get that. They have, have to keep, you know, Devontae Adams around. I understand with their cap situation, you know, it's hard to do because when you have a certain cap space, it's not much, and you want to keep the team together that you had last year because you were only two games shy from being in another Super Bowl, even though you did go one and done. You must keep, you know, the team together. And the one way you can do that is by paying Devontae Adams' money. But now coming out that you guys are far away from a deal can make that more, let's just say it will always be easier said than done. And that's with anything when it comes to deals. Look, Devontae Adams deserved to get paid like the best wide receiver in the league because that's what he's been for the past two to three years, maybe beyond that. All of this being said, a good deal to me would be, I don't know, 18 million for four years, 17.5 or 17 million guaranteed. That's a solid deal. That That's a great deal right there for a wide receiver, especially to me because I think that will most likely break the market. I, I don't think any wide receiver is making more than that, 
as far as my knowledge goes, but I can be wrong. Right there, I get it. You want your money. All of this being said, the one thing that I can't stand about the franchise tag because it gives the organization more power than they should and it allows them to toy with their players. Which brings me to topic number two on the franchise tag, which is Bengals star safety Jesse Bates and his situation. Um, obviously, this dude now moving forward to that situation. This dude, let's just face facts here. And this is coming from a Steelers fan. The dude deserves to have his money. He deserves to get paid like one of the best safeties in the league because he is hands down. I think the number two free safety in the league behind Mika Fitzpatrick. Obviously, right now, I will have him in my top three. Okay? Point being, the Bengals, to me, are not rely, are not valuing him the way they should. You know, that should have been the first thing that should have been done this offseason. Because you got the draft to fix your offensive line. You do not have to go back to the Super Bowl this year. You could take a year off and go back the following year. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, as long as you win a championship, the standard will be met and will be, you know, revolutionized in the city of Cincinnati and in the Bengals organization. But my issue has always been with the Bengals is this. They never been that team in the AFC North that anyone had to the throne because they've always found ways to the throne themselves, to destroy themselves. No one has to destroy your team. You find ways to destroy yourself, and right here, you just did within this Jesse Bates situation. Your franchise tagged the dude last year. Okay, cool. He played under it. He clearly stated he doesn't want to play under the franchise tag. This year, your franchise tagged him. He unfollowed you guys, apparently. He removed your, you know... Saying from Bengal safety to NFL safety. So now it's like, one, he's pissed and rightfully so. Especially after the run you made that he practically helped put you guys in position of. Especially in the postseason. In the moments that matter most, which is what you pay players to do. Then you got to lead to... It leads to all of that. You know? It, it leads to all of this. And the problem that I have with the Bengals... You don't value your players the way you should. This is why they've been this team in the division. You got Pittsburgh with Baltimore. You got Pittsburgh and Baltimore, right? They win the division. Uh-oh, they might could get to the Super Bowl. They might could do this because it's happened before. It's never been that way with Cincinnati. And this is why it's not been that way with Cincinnati. Because all they do, they, they say this, and excuse me for my language. We had a great year. This is what the front office do to be more exact. Let me say the front office. They had they we had a great year. With or without playoff wins, by the way. They had a great year. Let's find a way to fuck it up. To screw it up. To do whatever. Why? Because it's clear as day, when they win the AFC North Division, they get comfortable. They get cocky. And then they just do crap like this. Garbage like this that has no business happening. And now, them not paying Jesse Bates his money. Not giving him what he wants. 
and then you put the man under freaking franchise tag. The least you could have done was put him under a 14 million franchise tag. You put him on the 13.86 million dollar franchise tag. That may be enough for an ordinary person, but not a top tier safety or a top tier defensive back. And I understand some Bengal fans might listen to this and be like, well, wasn't you the one who said that, you know, they were not going to pay him? I was trolling you. That means I was toying with you guys while pretty much predicting the situation. You know, little did I knew the Bengals were going to be this stupid to let it boil over to the point where he doesn't want to be there anymore. But it's leading to the point that he doesn't have no choice, you know. As far as this year goes, or he can play the role of, you know, Devontae Adams is playing with the Packers and he cannot play this year and test free agency next year or ask to be traded now and get his deal elsewhere. He can do that, but then that will put the Bengals, that will set the Bengals back because it's cool to get a safety, but can you get a safety that fits just as well in your system as he's done? And you doing that, you are sending a message to your entire secondary and your defense right here. Because if this was, and I'm sorry to take shots here, even though I don't, I'm not trying to take shots here, but if this was Jamar Chase, if this was Joe Burrow, this situation wouldn't boiled over like that because it would have not boiled over. It would not even got this far. See, them two, they're going to get their money up front. T. Higgins is up in the freaking air because we all know the history of the Bengals of not valuing their wide receiver, their number two wide receivers, like T.J. Hushmanzada, like Muhammad Sanu, who had to find a new team after four to five years with the team. Then you got, but now back to the Jesse Bay situation. This dude is one of the best safeties in the league. The Bengals are not valuing him as it. They're not paying him as it because they're allowing it to boil over. If it ain't one damn excuse, it's another. The Bengals had the money for the past two seasons to pay this dude his money and it's not going to. See, this is the cons of having agents like David Mojeda on your, you know, you know, you know, with players on your roster. Because here's the, here's the thing. His players' contracts are not coming cheap. This is one of his clients. T. Higgins is another client. For example, look at Buda Baker. Look at Jalen Ramsey. Look how their contracts coming. His dude had just as arguably, you know, within one year, success in 2021 as those two clients. Look at Jamal Adams' contract in Seattle. This dude is get, is making 15 million, you know, a year, five-year deal, 75 worth 75 million. Do you think? Any other safety is taking anything less than that or nowhere around that? Because I'm going to tell you right now, no safety is taking a deal for $10 million for five years or a, a $10.5 or $11 million deal for four to five years with $10 million guaranteed. Nobody's taking that no more. You're going to have to pay the banks now. You want to blame somebody? Blame Jayla Ramsey's contract? Blame Buda Baker's contract. Blame Jamal Adams' contract. Not saying that they don't deserve their money because they do, but their contracts reset the standard, reset the mold for DBs being paid. They Listen, they are just as important to your defense as a wide receiver is to your offense. They want wide receiver money. You ain't willing to pay that. They're willing to go elsewhere. And this is one agency 
one agent, if you're the Bengals, you do not want to play around with. This David David Mojeda is not, or you know, however you pronounce his last name, I I really got to get that you know updated, but he is not the agent you want to play around with. He is not gonna play around with y'all. He's not. So here's the deal: you're either gonna pay him his money, or you're not. And that's the reality of the whole situation. You're gonna have to pay the dude his money. Because if not, if the Bengals do not pay Jesse Bates his contract and give him his money, I'm telling you right now, you're not getting the same energy from your secondary that you got last year because right there showed them with the net one contract, with his reputation, which is a pretty great one, in and out of football, with his consistent play on the field, especially in the moments that matter, that matter most like the playoffs, you are showing Every single member on your roster, you know, or on in your secondary to be more exact, everything they need to know about how y'all look at them compared to everyone else. You are telling them and you are practically telling every defensive player everything they need to know when it comes to their value on the team. They're not going to want to be there. Because if he can't get his money, just imagine when it's our time. What are you going to do with us if we're not one of them? That's all I got to say. And that's, you know, it's just going to wrap up this episode. So thank you for tuning in. See y'all next week. I'm out. Welcome to the Mike Bomb Podcast. The podcast where the bombs get thrown. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode. This is your host, May Shayla, exiting out. But before I do, I would like to take the time to thank everyone who has subscribed, followed, and listened to the podcast and for your overall support and love. If you are interested in getting more news and updates about the podcast, such as new episodes, new seasons, you can now subscribe and follow the podcast on your favorite platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Pandora Radio, Google Podcasts, and much more. Or you can visit www.themikebomb.com for news updates within your favorite sport leagues along with more news about the podcast. Thank you for your support and see you next episode. This is my day, day. This is my night, night. This is my. Pay.